We're clear for takeoff. Good morning, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Kings of the Heart, the Kings of the Heart podcast. My name is Tyreek Omari Walton, and usually I am joined by my brother and my partner in crime, Dr. John Hart, but Dr. Hart right now is not feeling too well. We wish him the best. Can't wait to have him back here on Kings of the Heart with us. But in the meantime, I'd like to introduce what we now call the Royal Cypher. Yes, we have gone from the Cypher 3 to officially the Royal Cypher. Why? Because not only are we joined by the one and only Miss Weena Wise, Miss Wise. Hello, hello. We have Miss Weena Wise here, and we also are now joined by Miss Anisha Passad. Hello, hello. Hello. So happy to be here. Happy to have you here. We are also recording this, and we are trying to make sure that we are getting everything in here correctly, so bear with us. I am still learning how to do all this, and for some reason, none of it is working right right now. <laughs> okay, there we go. We got a little something right there. So anyway, like we said, this is the Kings of the Heart podcast, joined by Weena Wise and Nisha Passad. We are also the Royal Cypher, and... Here we go. Just trying something new. And I hope you guys enjoy what we're doing here. So first, let's start off just by saying what is going on, guys. It's been a while since we've seen each other. Miss Wiener, how you been? I have been well. I've been missing Kings of the Heart. You all have been on summer break. And I mean, I've just got the vapors. I'm back. It's exciting. It's exciting to have you back here. And we've had her as a guest several times, but she is a friend. She is a colleague, Anisha Passat. How are you doing today? I'm doing wonderful. Like it's a glorious fall day, so it all feels good. Yeah, it's beautiful outside. So hopefully we'll get you out there after we get done doing this. So anyway, so as we typically do, Kings of the Heart podcast, we like to talk about all things relationship um, focused. You know, we're all licensed clinical marriage and family therapists. We all have fantastic training. You got two of the best, best over here, people who trained me basically. Um, in the house today. And so if you like what I do, you definitely like what they do. Um, so we talk a lot about relationships from many different aspects. We want to make sure we do a lot of psychoeducation, give you a lot of background into how to do things better in your relationship, not just, you know, random conversations, but like what's really going on and how can you do things better in your relationship. And today we wanted to get into how do you actually manage relationships when you're dating someone who either has diagnosed or maybe even undiagnosed personality disorders. Ooh, right? what a right. heavy but relevant topic. I know. Mm-hmm. I mean, you have a lot of people who will say, well, you know, my, my mate's a narcissist or they are um, bipolar, blah, 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 and not really know what that means. So we want to get yeah. more into some of the um, actual DSM-5, um, <laughs> you know, personality disorders, not just what people think they may be, but what they really, really are. Tyree, you're going to make us work today. Oh, show yeah. Show that we have uh, some clinical degrees, huh? Yep, 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 yep. So, so like good. I said, here for it. I said we have great training. So right now you have to make sure that you're using that training. Yeah. Right. All right. 
So let's start off. So typically when I think about personality disorders, I go right to what we say is cluster B uh, personality disorders within the DSM-5. And the reason why I do that, it seems like there are so many people and maybe I could be wrong, but I run across a number of different people who seem to, to can be categorized within that area. But you have cluster A, cluster B and cluster C. And there may be some other ones in cluster C that we will get to as well. But the ones that come to mind for me specifically are the borderline personality disorder. Check. Antisocial disorder, um, personality Check. disorder. Um, histrionic personality disorder. Check. And why am I forgetting one more? Narcissistic. Narcissistic. How can I just say that I one? How can I forget that, that one? one? That's, that's the big the one, one, right? People mostly, that's the... That's the one right now. It's getting a lot of attention. Lot. But you know, my, you know, Tariq, I'm wondering if we can um, kind of go back a second and even just talk about what a personality disorder is. Okay, that's a good as idea. Opposed to um, just kind of a another like mood disorder or something right. like that. Right. So, how would you? I think when I think of personality disorders, it's 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 a pattern, like it's long-standing you know, usually kind of emerges in childhood, like you see symptoms and it doesn't matter what the relationship, what the circumstance, like this is this person's view of the world, their interaction with the world, like it's just consistent. Right, right. And the fact that it impairs their functioning in daily life and also impairs their relationships, which is what we're here to talk about. Yes, yes. I think most notably, in the cluster B, like you're talking about, and and for our listeners, cluster B, we're talking about, like as Tariq said, um, in the DSM-5, which is like our our um, manual, um, that, that's how it's how it's outlined. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, in the cluster B disorders, personality disorders, it's marked by um, real poor emotional regulation. Right. Um, like they just really struggle with relationships. And I think that's why, you know, we're choosing to focus on those. Yeah. What do you think, Bina? Yeah, that emotional roller coaster is one of the the biggest factors that make it difficult for loved ones and romantic partners to stand by. So it's important for us to talk about some of the things that romantic partners may encounter. And I suspect that we'll get into um, how you can manage being with someone uh, or if you should continue to manage Mm. being with someone. Yeah, that's a very important Mm -hmm. point because there are reasons sometimes that uh, you may not be able to manage well and you may want to find your way out. And um, I also want to say that part of the reason why we're having this discussion is because on the tail end of Domestic Violence Month, Awareness Month, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's good to have a conversation around these different personality disorders because as the people who are involved with people who are having these kind of troubles, it can feel very abrasive, can feel very abusive, it can feel, um, you know, contentious. It just feels like whatever they're going through, they're taking out on us. And it can, yes. it can really, really be hurtful to us, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. So, and I think, go ahead. I'm sorry. I was going to say, like, I think one of the challenges of dealing with a, personal, a, a personality disorder is the person oftentimes doesn't see it that way. Right. They don't recognize right. it so much for themselves because it has been persistent. This is just 
their way of interacting with the world. They don't necessarily see it as a problem. Right. I want to throw in here also this factor of comorbidity because often um, substance abuse, let me call it drinking, smoking, taking drugs, is a way that undiagnosed and diagnosed people uh, self-medicate to cope with some of the symptoms. And when you're undiagnosed and you really don't know what it is that's occurring inside of you emotionally and mentally that's throwing you off balance, you simply know that something's wrong and it can be painful and cause great suffering. So learning to drink, learning to smoke, to relieve some of those feelings and to stabilize you temporarily is something that people get into. And you won't often see that connection if the um, disorder is not diagnosed. Mm -hmm. So your partner may see you smoking too much, drinking too much. That also plays into the violence. But the saddest part is that when you use the alcohol or the substances, it can exacerbate the problem. So so. you can become even more depressed, though you are trying to um, alleviate the symptoms of the depression. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's really interesting that, you know, in terms of the segment of the population that actually has a diagnosable personality disorder is relatively small. It's only about nine to 10%. But among substance abuse, um, people who seek treatment in treatment about closer to like 85, 90% of the people in treatment, uh, meaning they have a a severe and significant enough um, addiction that they've they're in treatment, it's about 85 to 90% who also have a personality disorder. So in addition to the addiction, like you said, the comorbidity, both of these things are coming together. And sometimes the focus is just on the addiction. Like that's that's right. All the focus, you know, they're maybe legally involved, um, you know, drinking and driving, um, done something out of the addiction, but there's something underlying it that's kind of fueling um, their use. Yeah. Yeah. So that comorbidity, comorbidity is, is one of the ways that you can actually see what may be going on with the person a little bit further. When you see those things happening, recognize there may be something else attached to that. And I, I remember working at, um, when I was working at Bowie State University and I was working at the drug prevention center. And when I would have conversations with a lot of students around, um, especially marijuana use, and you know, they're just very dismissive of the use of it. And we got a little bit deeper into it. They recognized that there were other things that were attached to it that may have been um, contributing to how often they were using. Yes. And then, yeah. you know, you go a little bit further into you can see, oh, there may be a personality disorder in there or, yeah. you know, even depression or anxiety or, you know, something else. But there's often other the, the drinking and the smoking and the, the drug use is often a symptom of a deeper issue. Mm-hmm. Right. So when we think about these different personality disorders, I just want to read off a list of some of the um, common traits of the cluster Bs, right? Mm -hmm. So we have dramatic, overly emotional or erratic behaviors. So we, and we, you know, we love to talk about the emotional dysregulation of people on um, Kings of the Heart a lot. You also have difficulty maintaining healthy and stable relationships. So you can look at your partner and and look at their history, whether it's uh, romantic or even with friends and family, and see mm-hmm. the instability and recognize there may be a little bit more going on there. Uh, traits that cause distress and impairment among those um, among those who are affected. So, you know, they may be distressed a lot. They may have struggles in other areas and being able to function properly, like I was mentioned earlier. 
um, impulsive behaviors or self-destructive tendencies. It's a major one. Challenges finding effective treatment options because often it goes undiagnosed. And like we already mentioned, a lot of times for people who are suffering from a personality disorder, they don't see it for themselves. And you can explain it to them and they still don't see it because, you know, it's a personality disorder. Mm -hmm. um, and also already mentioned possible co-occurring mental health conditions. And so, you know, when you look at it from a broad sense, you know, particularly the emotional dysregulation, how does that actually play a role for you as a person who is trying to deal with someone or manage that kind of relationship? How does those those moments of emotional dysregulation impact the daily interactions that you have with your mate? Oh, it impacts it so much because when you're in a space with a person that has emotional dysregulation, it's so difficult for you to feel a sense of stability and mm -hmm. a sense of security at mm -hmm. times. Right. When you cannot predict whether or not your partner is going to wake up on the right side of the bed or the wrong side of the bed, it puts you on eggshells. Oh, yeah. And you may not even realize it, but you're internally bracing for impact in a way that causes you to have low grade anxiety sometimes. Yeah. And, and if you really sit with it and think about it, uh, you may find that you're actually preempting some of the mood swings mm. and it starts to really cause you to take these emotional detours in the relationship to avoid what you predict will be blow ups or mm -hmm. shutdowns. Mm hmm. Yes, I think, you know, Weenie, you hit it right on the head. I think the, the one of the biggest impacts is that feeling of unpredictability. Yeah. Um, that, you know, someone who struggles with emotional regulation, they can go from zero to 100 in a heartbeat. Yeah. And you might not necessarily see the trigger, but they've taken it there. And it's hard to bring them back. It's hard to engage because it's not rational. Yeah. Um, and so, as you said, I think it leads to a space where it just does not feel emotionally safe um, in the relation, relationship and you're hyper vigilant and always on guard. Um, as you said, trying to preempt um, the explosions and trying to figure out just how to manage the day um, oftentimes. Yeah. You know, when I think about the clients I've seen, who maybe on an individual basis, who are dealing with someone who may have some of these symptoms, and we're gonna get more deeply into the individual symptoms. Um, when they're dealing with somebody at home with that, it seems like the biggest problem that that they're bringing to session is, what do I, how do I communicate with them? What do I do to yeah. not set them off? You know, you talked about the um, walking on eggshells, and if they're not feeling safe to be able to communicate with them when they're having an issue, because it may set them off because the other person is, you know, displaying these unstable, you know, conditions. They are often left wondering, okay, so what am I supposed to do? How am I supposed to communicate with them mm -hmm. if they don't want to, if they're not willing to hear me? Mm -hmm. And that's one of the biggest things that, that comes across my, my couch is are people who just have a hard time being able to figure out how to communicate with someone who may be suffering from a undiagnosed, especially an undiagnosed personality disorder, right? And so we want to break that down. So we want to try to help you figure out some of these issues that you may be having with someone um, who's having, you know, these, these these issues. So let's go into the specifics first. All right. So let's start off with borderline personality disorder. That's one that 
I don't know. For me, for some reason, it seems like I, I, I don't see it very often in session. But when I do see it, it's almost like, okay, that's what's going on here. And I know mm-hmm. when, it, when it does come across, it's often hard to figure out how do I um, deal with the personality disorder, specifically the borderline personality disorder, within the couple's context. It's really hard to try and manage both. You know, you see it going on and you don't want to, you know, come after one person like, okay, there's something really wrong with you. And you really, but there's something there that you want to be able to pull out so that the other person understands it's not all on them. And the, the person who's suffering from the personality disorder can take a little bit more accountability for what they're doing, you know, but it's really hard to, to get into that. Yeah. I think borderline um, personalities are among the most challenging mm-hmm. yeah. to deal with in the room and in, in session, but certainly I can imagine living with one oh my gosh. would be nightmarish. And I, you know, I want to point out that it's really characterized like the hallmark of borderline are the extremes mm-hmm. yes like right. one minute like i'm all deep in love with you and the next minute like you are the worst person in the world right um very externalizing you know kind of blaming other people um for their issues and just like the highs and lows are are huge so i think it can be you know maybe co-occurring with um bipolar but i think right. it can be um, mistaken um for the but it what's most notable about borderline is the absolute extremes in terms of engagement um you might if you're in relationship with someone like you might feel like they're always pushing and pulling yeah yeah um either like really really close or they can't stand you that kind of uh fear of of abandonment and rejection so i'm going to reject and push you away first and in some very very extreme ways that was a great uh, realistic definition for those who are listening to help you get a sense of what you should be looking for. Mm-hmm. And if it resonates with you, you know, your ears perk up a little bit at this moment when we talk about how it might show up in your bedroom or how it might show up in your living room. Uh, and uh, the key to potentially working with a couple that's experiencing that is to set some limits. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And sometimes the word limit or boundary is a curse word in some mm-hmm. people's mind mm-hmm. because it, it feels like it doesn't necessarily correspond with loving a person intimately and unconditionally, but limits and boundaries are actually an act of love, an act of supreme love. And in situations like this, when you have undiagnosed or diagnosed borderline personality disorder in your space, you have to be able to set those limits to help your partner know that those extremes aren't necessarily um, appropriate to spill over into every facet of your day, your life, your interactions, because you won't be able to survive them long term. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And I think one of the reasons why you have people who struggle with that, why um, boundaries is a curse word for some people who may be suffering from borderline personality disorder is for what Anisha was saying. If they're struggling with issues of abandonment, if they believe that, you know, you're going to leave them at some point, and one of the reasons why they do the push and the pull is because of that, well, setting a boundary can feel like you're actually separating from me. You're pulling yourself away from me. You're actually going to leave me because, you know, you're telling me that I can't have all this access to you. And so that can be a very painful idea that, okay, well, you're saying that they need to set a boundary with me. Well, if they do that, 
then where does that leave me? I don't, I don't have access to them anymore. Mm-hmm. And it's right. help trying to help them understand that when someone sets a boundary with you, it's not saying that they're cutting you off, but it's really beginning to understand that they are just limiting or they are um, regulating how much access you have to them and different mm-hmm. things, right? Mm-hmm. So that they can continue to love you long term. Right, exactly. Mm-hmm. Because if you deplete my account early in the process, I have nothing left to give you. Right. I'm regulating so that I always have something left to give you right. no matter how long it takes. Yep. Yes. And I I would definitely suggest um, if you're in a relationship with someone and, you know, who, as Tariq said, has you know, a diagnosed personality disorder or undiagnosed, the boundaries are important and should be structured before you have the blow up, right? So when you all are in kind of a quiet, calmer moment, that's when you bring it up and say, listen, you know, there are times when, you know, things get a little, go a little left. Mm -hmm. So I need you to know that when you say this or when you do this, that's when I'm going to, you know, kind of take my leave and I'm going to say, and whatever it is you're going to say, and I'm just going to remove myself from the situation or what, whatever the decision is, but you bring it up when things are not like on 10, right? so that you can kind of have a calmer conversation. What I find for a lot of people is <clears throat> they don't want to bring it up, right? They're walking the eggshells and things are kind of calm right now. So I don't want to steer us in that direction. Right. Yeah. yeah. But the better way to do it is when things are calmer to go ahead and you know, steer into the curve and um, take it on to set some boundaries in a calmer space so that once, you know, you guys are on 10, it's going squirrely, you kind of refer back to that moment. Yep, I agree. All right, so real quick, I just want to go through some of the uh, main symptoms of borderline personality disorder. Okay. Okay. So we have first intense fears of abandonment, either real or imagined. Impulsive tendencies that can be harmful or damaging. Sensitivity to environmental circumstances. Unstable and intense relationships. That intensity is is key. Unstable sense of self or identity issues. Feelings of emptiness. Angry outbursts and difficulty managing anger. Anxiety or depressive symptoms. Severe dissociative symptoms. Dramatic shifts in perception of situations and people, as just mentioned, and then reoccurring self-harm and suicidal attempts. Does that sound about right? Yes. Oh, you hit it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All of that. And so the ones that I think we've already mentioned that I really want to uh, kind of point out, because I think it plays such a major role in how people are responding when they have borderline personality disorder, is that sense of abandonment. Is that sense of abandonment? It's like almost everything else that I just mentioned kind of um, branches off of that in some way, you know? So part of the reason why you're having these, these major outbursts is out of the fear that you're going to, that the person's going to leave, you know? So again, part of that push and pull mechanism, um, the anxiety and depressive symptoms also play, you know, can, can be seen coming from that. You know, I'm anxious because I don't know where this is going to lead. Um, I feel depressed because, again, I don't think that this is going the way that I want it to go. You know, there, there are this, again, these symptoms, I think, all 
come out of that sense of abandonment. And even this, I mean, overall instability of the relationships uh, mm-hmm. is that. Mm-hmm. But I also want to focus on the intensity. One of the things that, you know, when you think about somebody who has borderline personality disorder, the thing that even attracts people who aren't aware that the person is suffering from this disorder is that sense of intensity, mm-hmm. right? There's something that's very appealing yeah. about how intense yes. they're loving you and how much attention they're giving you. Yes. And we can get into the love bombing thing when we get into um, narcissism. narcissism. <laughs> but again, they're very, very intense and can be very appealing. And another thing that I've uh, recognized, and I've, done re- um, I've seen research on this before, a lot of people with these different personality disorders, particularly the borderline personality disorder, um, can be very, very creative, can be very, very intelligent. And, mm-hmm. you know, that, again, is a draw. And so here you are, you're pulled in by what you see as being, you know, just appealing um, um, traits of someone that you want to be with. But then you get into a little bit further and recognize the traits are actually part of um, the disorder themselves. Mm-hmm. That's spot on. The idea that... Um some folks with the personality disorders are just brilliant. They are absolutely mm-hmm. brilliant mm-hmm. Uh, and passionate, yeah. you know, and, and you're attracted to how deeply they dive into most things in life, whether it's a craft, a hobby, their career, or your relationship with them, that draw definitely secures the relationship before you can sometimes identify some of the other symptoms that you've mentioned. Mm -hmm. And when you're deeply ensconced in the relationship, uh, it becomes that much harder to pull apart the pieces that really work and the parts that you love from the parts that are very dangerous or toxic. Yes. I think, um, as you said, one of the things that's so attractive about borderlines that I've seen, um, they're willing to be very vulnerable. Like their emotions are just kind of right there and accessible. Right. And, you know, maybe for someone who is not as open, like that's attractive to have somebody who's just kind of that free um, and expressive. And certainly if you know, they're attracted to you and they're giving you lots of attention. Yes. That can be very intoxicating almost. Um, and so I think it's, I can totally see what you're saying and agree that um, some of those same symptoms mm-hmm. um, at, at first can be really attractive. Mm-hmm. So I have to throw in here that, you know, every time we're on, I typically make a plug for, Uh, dating somebody through all four seasons of the year (laughs) Mm -hmm. at minimum before you level up because uh, that honeymoon or limerence phase, as we call it clinically, uh, it it all looks and feels the same in the beginning. The Mm -hmm. intensity is welcomed. The Mm -hmm. passion is welcomed. And um, your curiosity can get the best of you and you start thinking, this is wonderful. I want more and more and more of this. But when, you know, you actually wait it out, some of those symptoms may start to surface to help you see that the intensity is not just limited to positive elements of the relationship. It's yeah, it starts to spill over into other parts of their life and their daily functioning in ways that would help you to know, okay, this isn't exactly what I thought it was. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, And I think that's really important what you're saying, Lena, about time. 
because that's really what distinguishes a personality disorder from just kind of your ordinary everyday variety of relationship issues yes right or or a mood disorder depression mm. you might be depressed for a while but you it'll resolve yes um a personality disorder is persistent yeah and it's over time and so you won't see it unless you're with someone over time and, and can see them in multiple different situations and settings mm -hmm. um, and and go through some things with them to see how how they manage it and I think the other part of that, too, is inconsistent. You know, going back to seeing the things that attracted you to them in the first place, those things will pop in and out along with mm -hmm. their their attitudes and their um, their emotional dysregulation. It's mm -hmm. not consistent. So you'll have times where you're seeing all, hey, they're, everything that they present to you up front is it's there again. And it, it filters into some of the other times where they're not, you know, being as... Um, well, their their personality disorder is actually showing up some more, right? So it's very inconsistent. So it's like in and out, in and out. You know, is this person who I thought they were, or is there something else that's being presented here that I need to be concerned about? And it's it's hard to kind of keep track of it because you're constantly like, okay, well, yeah, I love all these other qualities, but this other stuff just doesn't make any sense. Yeah, and and what you're saying right now reminds me very much of the cycle of abuse. Yeah. Exactly. Right. As you're saying, you know, domestic mm -hmm. violence awareness month, um, there is that cycle, like that kind of that honeymoon and things are really intense and really great. But then things, you know, kind of sour, go bad, you know, I apologize. I'll never do that again. And we're back into mm -hmm. it. You know, that um, fluctuation is definitely present in borderline relationships for sure. Yeah. Like as much as they are into you and love you, the next minute you do something wrong and you're the worst person. Like they hate you. Um, there's nothing about you that they like. Yep. Um, you're the worst person so, in the world. Yes. Yes. Yep. And so let's go ahead and get into the next one. Histrionic personality disorder. So some of the signs and symptoms for this one is, let's see. The first is feeling uncomfortable or unappreciated when they're not the center of attention. So that's a major mm -hmm. one, wanting to be the center of attention. Interacting in inappropriate sexual or provocative ways with others based on the cultural context, such as at work. Having rapid shifts and a shallow expression of emotions. Using their appearance to attract attention. Exaggerating and dramatizing expressions being easily influenced by people and circumstances and being their relationships, believing their relationships are more personal or intimate than they truly are. Mm -hmm. Right. And so right there, again, there are going to be qualities that may be very appealing to you. You know that. Oh, absolutely. Right? Yeah. The histrionic person, like this is, this person is the life of the party. Mm -hmm they walk into a room and you know immediately that they're there right um their appearance is everything is just kind of over the top and that's very magnetic mm -hmm. um and they can draw you in um with just the force of their their personality and that that need to be the center of attention is so strong um, that they're very attuned to their environment and will dial it up and do what's necessary to keep all eyes on them. Right. But it's, it's very attractive. And that, that sexualized piece, that piece is very important mm -hmm. because when you, when you lead with that, 
a person whose, let's say, love language may be um, physical touch and they're deeply into physical intimacy will see that and think, oh my God, I finally found someone who is uninhibited, Mm -hmm. someone who, you know, kind of just leads with their sexuality and you can get caught on that piece without knowing that everything else comes along with it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, when it comes to the histrionic, the thing that I like to really focus on outside of the, the sexual piece is the over-dramatized emotional expressions, right? Mm-hmm. Again, it's about trying to maintain that attention. And as someone who is dating or in a relationship or married to someone who is histrionic, it's hard for you to sometimes distinguish when, because they're, they'll, they'll justify their behavior each and every time. Um, it's hard for them. It's hard for you to distinguish between when they're just, you know, um, literally just being the life of the party just for the sake of, hey, this is who they are versus wanting the the attention. They're, they're doing it because they want the attention. You know, you your attention isn't going to ever be enough. And mm-hmm. so them being the life of the party isn't just them having a good time, but they're mm-hmm. doing it to actually you know, gain everyone's attention. a supply. Right. Yeah, right. Like you yeah. need a supply that feeds you like gas in a tank. <laughs> right. a person go, right? Yep. Yes. But, the, but the tank is a, a well <laughs> that has no bottom. None at yes. all. And again, I think it's important for people to realize we're talking about extremes right. um, to, you know, to meet the diagnosis for personality disorder. We're talking about more of the extreme and, and in its extreme form, histrionics, want the attention so bad that they will create it. They will make stuff up. Yeah, right, right. You know what I mean? They will make drama. Um, And so it's hard to be in a relationship with someone like that because um, they can potentially feel like it's competition. So let's say you have a moment and, you know, everybody's hyping you up because you've accomplished something at work or done something. And instead of really being excited for you, your histrionic partner will see that as competition. Right. Like it's supposed to be about me um, and that can feel horrible. Yes. Um, and, you know, just the the manipulation of the um, environment, like you will see them dial it up to make sure that you stay um, kind of in the background. And that's, mm-hmm. that's very painful. Yeah, one of the things I see with histrionic people are when you begin to share a story with them, you know, your own story, your own situation, they have to one up you. Oh, let me tell you about a time this happened to me. And so it's no longer about you. So even though you may be bringing something to them, for them, okay, well, that's fine. You know, that's cute. But let me tell you what happened to me. And there's Mm -hmm. always something more. They may embellish the hell of us out of a story to just Mm -hmm. seem like they're whatever they're going through or whatever they've gone through is so much, you know, grander than yours. Mm You know, and when you see that, it's like, okay, um, why am I even bother talking here? Because now it's not about me at all. It's all about you. And it's consistent. You see that constantly with someone who's histrionic. And, you know, part of that, too, is, you know, is the making up of stories. Like Anisha said, they will create the scenario where the attention will come back to them. So they are going to um, create stories. They are going to, um, you know, their 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 emotions will take over the scene. Like they're gonna, they, they may trip or, or bump their leg or do something. To make sure mm-hmm. that the attention is always coming back to them. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I want to throw in there uh, one of the last criteria that you mentioned, which was perceiving that uh, 
interpersonal relationships are deeper than they are oh, yeah. because that comes up in the storytelling a lot. Mm -hmm. uh, you'll, you'll pick up on the fact that uh, they have such a close relationship with so-and-so or they believe that uh, a colleague is their their work wife or work husband, mm -hmm. and that colleague really barely speaks to them at the water cooler. <laughs> but when they tell the story uh, or when they get into a situation, they will misjudge or miscalculate how deep or personal that relationship is. And that in itself can cause drama when a confrontation occurs around that. Okay. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yep, for sure. Mm -hmm. All right. So let's get into another one. It's that antisocial personality disorder. You know, this one, um, you know, when you think about the DSM four, I think it was they were qualified as antisocial personality, not antisocial, I'm sorry. Um, psychopathic and um sociopathic. sociopathic. Right. Sociopathic. Right. So so if you if people called you a sociopath or a psychopath back in the day, now they're calling you antisocial. All right. <laughs> And so some of the symptoms, signs and symptoms for that are whew, deceitful and manipulative tendencies, aggression towards animal and people. So if you see people, you know, often kicking dogs or, you know, chasing ants with, um, you know, magnifying glasses, give you give you an idea about that. Yeah, it was big red flags. Big red flags, right? Destruction of property or belongings. Frequent breaking of rules and laws. They have no respect for laws or rules. No boundaries at all. Um, tendency to lie or con others. Irritability or aggressive um, argumentativeness. Disregard for safety. Lack of responsibility. Meaning they're not taking accountability for none of this. Placing blame on others for your actions. Again, no accountability. And lack of empathy for others. That's a major one right there. That's a big yeah, one. That is. Mm -hmm. right. That is. Mm -hmm. That is. And so what are some some of these personality um, symptoms that, you know, you see that comes across in session that is a red flag for you? You know, this is tough because I would hope that I don't run into socio and psychopaths on a regular basis in the practice, right. but it so closely mirrors some of the narcissistic tendencies yeah. that I would say that I treat more of that. And, and on all of these, there's a spectrum, right? So um, the lack of empathy is something that we work with quite often. Right, for the sure. inability to accept responsibility or be accountable, the blame shifting, mm -hmm. it's always someone else's fault, the manipulation, deceit, and dishonesty. Mm -hmm. Those things show up more readily, particularly when you're doing relationship counseling or when you're doing individual counseling, but it's often harder to see if someone is engaging in hurting animals, right. destroying property. Uh, those are those are things that start at a very early age in mm -hmm. antisocial personality disorder. But unless they're presenting a scenario to you where you can actually pull it out, it might not be something that you can pick up on all the time uh, unless a partner of theirs observes it and right. shares with you that they're seeing destruction of property. They're seeing some more of the abusive um you mentioned a disregard for the law. You know, you'll see 
of course, folks going to jail, uh, breaking rules, things like that. But it takes a little bit more to string together these symptoms to point out this person has antisocial personality disorder, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. I think for a lot of people, it it, it doesn't come across as antisocial behavior to them as the, the mate. Because oftentimes, even though you may be the victim of some of this stuff, you don't see it that way. You often see them doing it to other people. You know, mm-hmm. you are much more aware of their behavior and how they are treating other people. To mm-hmm. you, again, because of the relationship that you're in, they may be a lot more affectionate towards you. They may be a lot more, um, you know, I don't want to say apologetic because, again, that's not going to be part of their personality. But they can be much more in tune with you. But those behaviors are often seen outside of the relationship. You know, so, um, you know, the the hurting of animals, obviously, um, but other, other people, the disregard for laws and rules, um, you know, the um, with the lack of empathy, of course, you're going to be a victim of. But a lot of those things is hard for you to see, you know, as happening to you, but you can pick up on them. Right. Yeah, I think it I think you can see it, though, in some ways, especially because if it's a true personality disorder, it's persistent. And mm. that lack of empathy you will mm-hmm. feel, yes. um, especially when, and mostly it's when there's conflict, like when you're not aligned, like that person will be okay and be able to kind of love on you when it suits them. Right. But if you do something that they don't like, you will feel like the coldness, um, like you said, that they won't accept responsibility. They'll put it on you. Um, and just that lack of care and concern. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and you will see it show up in, I'm going to say, cause this one, we don't talk a lot about, but like financial abuse. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Cutting corners, um, going into your wallet and taking out your credit card and using it without your permission mm-hmm. or just other, other ways, just kind of sneakily doing things behind your back. They might not be major scale, but the way that they just don't respect boundaries yes. um, or rules, even within the relationship, I mm. think is, is what is the indicators. Even if you don't see the bigger things. Right. Right. And that, the lying, and that's another one too, that lying yeah. or conning people. You yeah. know, I think that kind of goes right into blaming others. So yeah. if I lie to you or if I do something to, you know, con you mm-hmm. and you call me out on it, well, it's not my fault. It's your fault. You know, you should have known better. Oh, it's so tough uh, because it can cause you to question your own reality mm-hmm. because they're so smooth with it. Right. A uh, person with antisocial personality disorder is surgical with the way they switch stories, with the way they switch from being normal to cold. I love mm-hmm. that you use that word, Anisha, because mm-hmm. that coldness is something that'll resonate in your spirit and you go, this is just, this is really withdrawn. This mm-hmm. is really cold. You really don't care right. about mm-hmm. this person's safety or how much this hurt somebody or something. And, and that should probably stand out to you how uh, smoothly and cleanly they can detach from a situation or a person. Right. Those are all characteristics that can make you go, hmm. Right. Yes. Yeah, they're running through friends. Like, you know, today, this is your best friend. Tomorrow, oh, I don't I don't know them. I don't deal with them. 
you know, their, yeah, that lack of care uh, or deep care. Um, they care for the moment as long as it suits them. But yes. as soon as they get what they need and you're no longer providing that or you provided enough of it, they're going to be gone. You know, mm-hmm. so yeah, there's a lack of depth in their relationships and not really trying to connect deeply, but just far enough that they can, you know, manipulate you and get what they need out of that situation. Right. Yes. In the sense that there's like no real moral compass. Right. Yeah, that's exactly what it their is. Their own wants or needs. Right. Yes. Right. Um, there's a sense that it, there's no low. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they won't go if it suits their purpose or their need. Exactly. Exactly. All right. And then we have one more. And this is the big one. This is one that we hear all the time. Mm-hmm. And that's the narcissistic personality disorder. Right. Yes. And so here are some of the signs and symptoms so that we can be clear and that not everybody is a narcissist, but here are some very specific signs and symptoms of narcissistic personality disorder. So first, let's start off with grandiosity or exaggeration. Preoccupation with fantasies of great love, power or success. A sense of entitlement is a big one. A need for ex- excessive and admiration from others. So they, they need that adoration, and admiration from other people. Beliefs of being special and needing to only associate with other high status people. Exploitation of others. Again, Mm -hmm. a lack of empathy. And I think that's one of the reasons why everyone gets called as a narcissist is because of that (laughs) lack of empathy. But it could be something else. Um, Envy of others. Arrogant behaviors or attitudes. that, That fake confidence. And over and an overestimation of achievements and abilities. Right. So those are some some common um, Mm -hmm. signs that someone may be um, dealing with narcissistic personality disorder. Right. Yeah. And so (laughs) what are some key key ones in there that, you know, again, um, play a role in some of the relationship issues that people are having? Go ahead, Weena. Well, we've talked about the love bombing. We said we would come back to it. Mm -hmm. And uh one of the things that often happens is you won't quite be able to tell that a person is narcissistic straight off because there is an intensity. They're studying you to kind of get in lockstep with you to know what you like. They appear to be so similar to you that you think, Oh my God, this is my soulmate. And, um, you won't even realize that they're actually just listening to who you are, what you like, what you do and mimicking and mirroring back that to you and literally investigating ways that they can make you feel secure in the relationship and kind of get you hooked. And that's the first stage of, of their, their performance uh, and in the second stage, you're going to start to see this this detachment. They're going to basically tear down everything that they built up. And it'll be like a switch has flipped off and you wonder where the knight in shining armor or the perfect angel went because all of a sudden they're very, very different. And that lack of empathy starts to show up. Mm-hmm. Sometimes the grandiosity shows through a bit more in condescension toward you and other people around. You'll start to hear them kind of tear down other people now that they have you in the comfort or the privacy of you know their space. Uh, and that part is very important. 
I also want to note here that there's a difference between like your garden variety narcissist and your covert narcissist, mm. which is a person who doesn't necessarily show up with that big charismatic personality. They mask their uh, grandiosity and their sense of entitlement by acting more like a humble martyr uh, that's mm. and that's really important yeah. because you have to look very differently at a covert narcissist the the symptoms are and the side effects are still there of the, the behavior but you gotta kind of know that that the mask that they're wearing now also has this sheen to it that looks like nope i'm just a humble woman a humble guy you know um they come across as if uh, they are not seeking attention. In fact, it, it will appear that, you know, they could care less about it. But then in other ways, you'll notice that they're still envious and, and competitive toward you. Mm -hmm. and, and it'll be really confusing mm -hmm. because they put on the persona that they're not, but they really are. Mm -hmm. I think that one of the ways in which what people are mostly focused on and how narcissism has become like the buzzword, like mm -hmm. you would think there's, we're just flooded with narcissists, um, is the self-focus. Yeah. Mm. Right. Like that sense that the world revolves around me. And so a lot of times people will, you know, if they're in relationship with someone who just seems to be about themselves, they'll say, oh, you're a narcissist. Right. Um, but that's really what what has allowed it to proliferate um, the, that self-focus, the lack of empathy, the lack of accountability. Yeah. yeah. Um, like you were talking about you know, the, the manipulation to uh, get what they want. Yeah. Um, it's like you're there. You're the object. If you are the object of their attention, it's for acquisition almost. Yeah. It's yes. to boost them. And once they feel like they have you and gotten what they need. They don't want anything to do with you. No, right. no. They'll be fine to kind of Sabotage. rip you down. and Yes. And mm -hmm. to push you down so that they can be elevated. Right. You know, and I know that for a lot of people who are suffering from narcissistic personality disorder, for them, again, it's hard for them to ever see that about themselves because they believe Ooh. they believe their lies. They believe the yes. things about themselves. They believe the attention is going to, um, you know, uh, really distinguish them from everybody else. Mm -hmm. That okay, well, they love me, so what's your problem? You know, yeah. I'm getting I'm I'm getting all this positive feedback from people because of my charm, because of my wit, because of how I connect with people, you know, and the attention that I give them. And I, again, like you said, I am mirroring, you know, for a lot of people their behavior. And so yeah, I, I seem very appealing. So. You know, if they all love me and you don't, then the problem must be you, you know? Yes. And so for a lot of people, I'm sorry, go ahead, Nisha. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean it. I wasn't trying okay. to interrupt you, but I, I think, you know, kind of piggybacking what you're saying, there's really no accountability right. for a person with narcissistic personality mm -hmm. disorder. They're, you're not going to get an apology for them. Yes. They're not going to say, I see what you're saying and I need to change. They're just not. Right. Um, they, they, they don't see it that way. So you might end up with a, a partner, you know, they might come in for couples therapy. They're not going to take in anything that is them. It'll all be kind of focused on outwardly right. on their partner. Right. Yeah. Uh, the other piece that's important is that they really can't see the world 
outside of their purview. Yeah. So if, if they think that something is horrendous, everybody should think that something is horrendous. Mm -hmm. Uh, If they think that their behavior is acceptable, then everybody else should think that their behavior is acceptable. And it's very difficult, as you said, Anisha, to get them to um, see any different perspective. And that's a, a telltale sign when you're in an argument with them that they're constantly pulling you back to their worldview or their perspective. And it's extremely difficult to have any empathy in those moments for the ways that they may have hurt you or done something wrong. That's where the victimization comes out. And the story kind of always starts with what someone else did to them. Mm-hmm. Or if they did something wrong and they kind of can feel that everybody thinks they've done something wrong, then they figure out a way to actually tell the story from the perspective of something that happened to them that mm-hmm. caused them to react the way that they yes. did. And and so you'll get into these circular conversations with them that typically don't have an end. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you'll come into a conversation hoping to get some apology or just some validation. And if you find that the conversation somehow switches to now you being the bad girl or the bad guy and them having a laundry list of things that you have done, uh, there's defensiveness, blame shifting and gaslighting. Gaslighting. You know, where you're like, no, you know, I, I really do think you went into the bank account and you took all of the money out of the joint bank account without talking to me. And they'll go, no, I didn't. You told me that I could do that. Right. And you'll go, what? And they're like, yeah, you told me I could do that. And they will hold to the story in a way that causes you to walk away, scratching your head. Like Mm -hmm. what just happened? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, so I know we got to wrap up soon. So I just want people to hear from you. What are some ways, if you do find that you're in a relationship with someone who has a personality disorder, um, if you're married to one and you don't see a quick exit strategy, what are some ways that you can actually manage that relationship so that you're not constantly the uh, victim of their, you know, their emotional dysregulation? How can you actually better manage being in a relationship with somebody? Counter community. Counter community. It's a community that you build around you that helps to validate your experience and provide support in ways that that partner is just not going to be able to. Mm -hmm. One of the things that uh, is really prevalent through the personality um, disorders that are in the cluster B is manipulation right whether it's you know trying to get folks to give you attention or lying being deceitful um that manipulation when it when you come in contact with it it can literally make you think that you're going crazy yeah Mm -hmm. Yeah. and it's really important not to have folks who can't see objectively when you're wrong because we're we're always contributing to dynamics in relationships mm-hmm. we're not perfect right. but you do need people in your corner who you can confide in who can just give you a dose of reality sometimes yeah. to say yeah. hey no you're not crazy this is awful what's going on and we're here to validate you mm-hmm. through mm-hmm. some of the harder moments in the relationship right. yes I think it's important um, to note for people that when we're talking about saying, like, there has to be a line. Like, if we're talking about 
physical safety yeah and sometimes emotional safety that you do have to sometimes really evaluate whether you should stay or not right right and so if it's not safe if it's physically unsafe you shouldn't continue um, to stay in that relationship and reach out for resources to help you find a way to safely um, exit. But I think if you want to stay and, and, and we're taking physical safety off the table, right. then I agree with Weena that, you know, having a sense of community around you, friends who pour into you, who you can vent to, who can help you stay grounded in reality about what's going on. Um, but also therapy for yourself. If they won't go to therapy for themselves, mm -hmm. make sure you're investing for yourself yes. individually in how to um, just kind of manage so that you are not getting to broken spaces in trying to continue to walk on the eggshells around your partner who won't acknowledge um, and get treatment for what what they're bringing to the table. Right. I think, you know, when you some of the other major things that I don't know if we really got too deep into them, but when you think about these personality disorders is the insecurity, you know, for mm -hmm. a lot of people who are suffering from these different personality disorders, there is a lot of insecurity, a lot of self doubt, um, a lack of self esteem that's actually coming through in terms yeah. of, um, this, this grandiosity, you know, they're trying to, they're, they're, again, they're masked. They are trying to present themselves in a way that they don't really even truly see themselves even though they believe everything that they're hearing is it's, it's a crazy dynamic. Um, mm -hmm. Nonetheless, you know, there's a, a lack of security there and also a lot of jealousy, right? Um, so they're jealous of other people. So when we start talking about the things that you may need to do to insulate yourself from their behavior, it's going to seem very scary to them. So one of the things that I'm thinking of, of course, we talked about boundaries and establishing healthy boundaries with these people. Um, making sure that, you know, they are not just running over you all the time, that they don't just have access to every ounce of your life, mm -hmm. that you're regulating how much access they have to you. Then if you are actually trying to make sure that you have a life outside of them, know that that's going to be very scary for them because they can't control you. Yeah. Right. And I think that goes back into the community aspect that you that we was talking about. Mm -hmm. And so even though you're doing these things recognized for them, they're going to be scared by it. They are going to try to fight against it, but you have to maintain a sense of, of strength. Yeah. So you may have to say, look it, I need this. If not, I have to go. Yeah. Right. I need to be able to go and spend time with my friends, with my family. I need to go be a part of my community. Um, you may, you don't have to say that I'm doing it to isolate or to insulate myself from you, but I do need this. And so making sure that, you, that you're not only setting boundaries, but you're also setting expectations for what you need in a relationship, you know, whether it's their behavior and them making sure that they're doing something different and that they, it's not appropriate for them to, um, to yell at you, to throw things, to, to go off and be that abusive person that you're appearing to be, that that's not appropriate, that you have to start setting some expectations of behavior and also expectations of how you want to be able to show up in the relationship without that, again, you're going to have a lot of your own um, concerns not being met. So that has to play a part too in what you're doing, right? So mm -hmm. look, we can go on and on with this conversation. We have to actually head on out. So I want to get some quick noble truths, some quick boiler points from you guys 
on how do you deal with someone with personality disorders in your own estimation? Like I said, boundaries, limits, counter community, can't go wrong with that. And lastly, educate yourself on the personality disorder as much as you can. Read as much as you can, talk to a therapist uh, so that you can be prepared for the symptoms that might be coming your way. Yes, I'm just going to say self-care is not selfish and that you need to make sure that you are prioritizing your needs emotionally, spiritually, physically as well. If you're dealing with a relationship that can be draining to make sure that you find ways to pour back into you and that you create safe spaces for yourself if your relationship doesn't always feel emotionally safe. Right. And I'm going to just go with what um, John and I were talking about a couple episodes back. Look, if you got to go, you got to go. All right. Don't stick around and take the abuse if this is not working for you. You know, be willing to sacrifice, be willing to step away, be willing to take care of yourself. If that's what it means, you know, for you to actually get out of the relationship, take care of yourself. You know, that's what we have to focus on. So any which way, look, I want to thank you guys for coming and joining us today on the Kings of the Heart podcast. We know where can people find out more about you? Uh, you can Find me on my website, covenanttherapy.com, or follow me at Weena Wise on Instagram. All right. And, Anisha, what about you? Where can people find out more about how to contact you and what you got going on? Uh, growthpointtherapy.com. Oh, nice and simple. And I guess for me, it is, you can just find me right here on kingsoftheheart.com, as well as at tarikomariwalton.com. Um, and all the different shooting platforms just put in my name Tyreek Omari Walton alright thank you everybody really enjoyed my time with you look forward to seeing you again you will be seeing these ladies again as the Royal Cypher hopefully Dr. John once he gets better he'll be here with yeah. us and the crew will be all okay. together and we'll be doing it together so you guys all take care of yourselves and we'll see you soon okay bye bye